the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and thank you for tuning in today. If you are tuning in live or downloading the podcast, we know that a lot of you are out there listening, and thank you for all of the comments that you've sent. This is your host for The Career Confidant, Marie Zimanoff. And, you know, we just continue to hit on hot topics in career advancement, job search, and career management, and leadership. So those topics are so important to me because what I see going on in the working world out there in the workplace is this shift, and it's been going on for a while, but I think it's starting to come to a head where you are in charge of your own career. And you're in charge of your own career development from the beginning, right? We've been talking to some of our millennial and college-age folks in here in the last month. And then you're in charge of your, your career towards the end when you're trying to make that transition either to advance or to retire, which we know is looking a lot different these days as well. And so this show is really here to give you the tools and resources that you need to be able to do that on your own. There might be somebody within your company that helps, but you'll have to be at the at the helm. And that's why we're here is to give you the tools and skills that you need to be able to do that. So each week I share each of I share my experience helping thousands of professionals advance their careers. And I've brought in some great industry experts to talk about specific issues and give you information that's that's going to help you move forward. So here in the last month, we've talked to Gayla Jackson about millennial career management. We talked to Cheryl Minnick about applicant tracking systems. If you missed either of those, go back and listen to those from October. They're great. And then last week, we also talked about age. And I keep hearing age discrimination issues on both sides of the fence, right, that 45 or 50 plus, and then our, our younger folks are under 28, maybe under 30 millennials who are struggling as well with some age discrimination issues. So if, if you're in either of those pools and feeling that crunch, you go back and listen last week. That's what we talked about here on the Career Confidant If you'd like to take the opportunity to ask me a question about your career management, job search, resumes, you can always call in live at 866-472-5790, or you can email me at marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com with your questions, and that's how most of you uh, tend to email me, so keep doing it. I'll keep responding. So today I want to talk about the seven deadly sins of your career and specifically how to address those in a resume. So we're going to go through the seven things that I hear people worry about the most and and feel the worst about, especially when they're trying to get into their resume. So we're going to talk about gaps. 
We're going to talk about if you've been somewhere for a really long time. We're going to talk about if you've been somewhere for really short times, right? That hopping. We're going to talk about moving backwards or maybe if you had to take a, a step backwards in your career and how do you put that on a resume. We're going to talk about changing careers or if you're looking to go a different direction or maybe you are kind of in that retirement world and trying to figure out how to navigate putting that on a resume. We're going to talk about if you're trying to take a step up. So that ambition, I, I really want, I feel like I'm ready to take that next step. But how do I put that on a, on a resume or how do I get people to see me that way on a resume? And then we're going to talk about one of the maybe deadliest of sins that I hear people and help people with is, is working for yourself. Right? I've run my own company and now I'm looking to get into the work world. How do I make that transition? So we're going to talk through those hiccups that are challenging to put into our resume that everybody wants to be a nice, clean, chronological document. And we're going to talk about how your resume can work for those pieces. So the other thing that I just want to talk about, it'd be remiss not to talk about, since it is Thanksgiving week here in the U.S., I know a lot of you are are listening outside of the U.S., But just to take a moment and pause this week, and everybody will be talking about things that they're thankful for. But on this show, we've talked a lot about leadership and career success and relationships and the ability to form and maintain relationships and their their importance in your career development throughout your life. And I find that appreciation or thanks it's something that a lot of us don't do on a regular basis in our career. We may tell people thank you, but probably not enough. And there are probably other ways that we could appreciate others in our life that we don't take the time to do or whatever it might be. And I went to a training a few weeks ago uh, with a, a gentleman who's a, a leader in a nonprofit organization. Rotary International, and he has a reputation for sending thank you cards to every individual who attends one of his trainings or does something for him within the organization. And it just makes you stop and think that for him to have such a reputation for that, one, means that it's rare, and two, means that it matters. And so as you go through your career, and maybe especially for the next few weeks here, but if we can maintain it longer than that, we stand out when we appreciate others. We stand out when we take the time to say thank you, to recognize what other people have done, and to do it in a way that's genuine and a way that is comfortable for them, right? Not everybody likes to be recognized publicly or whatever might be coming up to our brain, but really thinking about how can I be genuine and appreciating others in my career and even in my job search, which may be more difficult because of the rejection that we face when we're doing that. But if I can take that appreciative approach, I'll probably see that things start to change. So I'm going to challenge myself and challenge all of you to think about that, how we can continue to be more appreciative in our careers. 
All right, so let's jump into our seven deadly sins here and how we address these on our our resume. So the first one we're going to chat about today is gaps. And gaps come up on your resume for lots of different reasons. Couldn't find work, right? A lot of us were out of work for multiple years in the last recession. How do you... How do you cover that gap? You might have taken time off to take care of parents, take care of kids. There are lots of reasons that you might have a gap on your resume, and there are probably just as many ways that you can address that gap. We're going to talk about a few. The first thing that I'll say here is that whenever we talk about resumes, I like to remind us that there are always as many opinions about resumes as there are stars in the sky and if you hear specific information from a recruiter that you're working with use that the things that I'm going to share today are tactics that I've used for the last seven eight years and have seen be successful in some way or another for individuals so they may not work for you that's why I'm going to share quite a few of them so maybe one will and maybe give you some ideas on different things that you might think about when you're addressing these seven deadly sins. So gaps. Why is a gap a problem? Most of the time, a gap is a problem because the HR person looking at your resume or the manager looking at your resume wants to know where you've been. And if you don't tell them where you've been, they might assume the worst, right? They might assume that you were in jail, whatever it might be that creeps into their mind. So we've got to think about how we want to address that gap. Now, one of the things that I find interesting is that a lot of times people will tell you to address the gap by building what is called a skills-based or functional resume, where you put the skills at the front and then all the work experience is just a list at at the bottom of the resume, where it just gives the title, place, and dates. Well, when I look at a resume like that, one, I know that a recruiter or hiring manager, they will actually skip all the fluff that you took all that time to write at the top, and they're going to skip right down to that experience. Where have you been? What have you done? That's what they're looking for. That's the number one thing they judge you on. And when you have stacked all of that information together conveniently for them at the bottom of the document, all it does is highlight those gaps because the years are all really close together. So let's set that strategy aside. Sometimes it can work and not necessarily to address a gap. There are other reasons we might do that, uh, not necessarily for a gap. So Gaps can also be addressed by building what may be more commonly called a combination resume. But today it's just a pretty standard resume. Then you've got a nice summary at the top, and that summary is your commercial. However, that summary or or skills-based part of your resume cannot take up a whole first page because the recruiter or hiring manager will flip it to look for dates. However, you can start with that commercial. It gives the reader who wants to start there a good introduction to who you are. 
and then go into the experience. Gives you some of that opportunity to catch their attention, catch their eye before you move into your experience. The other piece, if you've got a, a, a gap, is to give a short statement about what you are doing, right? It may be a, you know, taking care of aging parents or whatever it might be. Very short, no drama, no, nothing too personal, right? Some of the more advanced strategies that I've used to address a gap are to fill that gap with something that is relevant, volunteer experience, where you can fill the gap but also show relevant skills but you're not stretching it, right? The, the whole industrial, or what, I can't remember the word, but engineer, right, where you're talking about being an, an engineer in the home and taking the kids around, that's not going to do it for me. But if you ran the Boy Scout troop, volunteered at the school, I wrote a resume for a nurse who had been the the, the person in charge of the hockey team's ailments and injuries, right? So if you can fill that gap with something relevant, then it makes sense to the reader and it almost looks like a job, but it mostly gives them where you've been because that's what they want to know. Where have you been? What have you been doing? So we'll be back in just a few minutes and we're going to finish up our conversation here around gaps and ways to address gaps in your resume. And then we'll start in with our other six deadly sins here of your career and how you can address those on your resume. We'll be back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up your status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top HR trends. Learn how you can become the savvy HR innovator who takes your company across the finish line as you look ahead to the future of work. HR Trends with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and tonight we are talking about the seven deadly sins in your career and how to address those on a resume. So these are things that people come to me and they say, oh my goodness, how are we going to address this on my resume? And the funny thing to me is that a lot of times it's not as big of a deal as we're making it. Yes, it's something we need to address, and when we do so, a lot of times it, it's just not that big of a deal once we once we figure out how to package it, right? So we've been talking about gaps and whatever the reason might be that you have a gap on your resume, there's that option of putting something brief in there about what you were doing. We may want to have a, a longer summary before we get into the experience. Again, I want you to start that experience on the first page with some dates third thing that I've kind of talked about a bit here is filling that gap with some kind of relevant experience if it makes sense. So I don't want the domestic engineer in there of, you know, took the kids, blah, blah, blah. However, if you were volunteering at the school, if you can make it relevant, if we can find those relevant skills, relevant, relevant accomplishments, with which most of the time we can then we can use that experience. So it's talking about the nurse who was doing the triage for her son's hockey team, the the nonprofit person or person that wanted to go into nonprofit who had helped the school raise a whole bunch of money and done some fundraising and program development within the school as a volunteer. When you do that, you don't have to lead with volunteer in your title. And in fact, you don't even have to have volunteer in your title. And it doesn't have to be in a separate section, right? You can call the section experience. You can call the section, the section qualifications highlights or whatever you want to call it. If professional experience doesn't seem like you should put a volunteer thing in there, but it, it's fine to put it all together, put it in chronological order like the employers like to see it. And if that'll help you fill a gap. The other thing here is that you are putting those dates and then you're putting the what happened and why it matters and your accomplishments. So it's going to create a little bit of spread between the dates visually, which is good for you. And put the years. You don't need months unless you're applying for something federal or a federal contractor you don't need those months and the years can just make it look cleaner, crisper, doesn't have all that detail. Now, obviously, if you're using just the years, you've got to be careful not to stretch that. And if you've been out of work for most of 2014, if 2013 is the last date, then we might want to get something on there for 2013 but you or 14. But you have a little bit of grace period there, right? So if you've been out of work for three months, don't feel like you have to fill that gap with a volunteer thing that really doesn't add much value. And if you do use volunteer experience, always be aware of how much space you're taking up on the resume with that based on how relevant it is to the job you're applying for. Because employers are going to want to see the work experience. 
and they're going to want to see that as the bulk of your resume. The volunteer piece is just to show what you were doing during that time, unless you're using that volunteer experience to make a career change, which we'll talk about later. So filling the gap, one of the pieces there to, you know, it doesn't have to be filled if it's a short gap, if you're using just years, and if you do fill it, beware of your relevancy and how much time, space on the page and therefore time of the reader that you're taking with that space based on its relevance. So our second deadly sin of our careers might be that we've stayed forever in one place. Now you would think, well, geez, that's not a sin, right? That shows loyalty, it shows all these other things, and it does, and that's definitely the positive side. It can be seen as a negative, obviously, because we might be seen as stagnant. We might be seen as, as not learning, not moving, not gaining new skills, not stepping in, in and up, right? Most times when we've stayed in a place for a long time, we have changed position titles, and we can show that advancement by maybe breaking those out and showing the position titles and what we did in that position and the accomplishments we had there so that we can show that growth, show that advancement, show that we kept learning, show that we kept evolving. Those are all the, the negatives that someone might have in their head that we want to address if that's our situation. If you haven't changed position titles, you might create a project-based resume within that section, right? If you were at HP for 20 years as as a project manager and you didn't really get a new title, you didn't really get necessarily additional responsibilities, you might create a project-based resume that shows the projects you were doing early on and how they grew and, and became more complex because they probably did even if your title didn't change. Same thing with engineers, that project work getting more complex and maybe even your your level of responsibility in that was getting more complex. So if we break it out into projects in a chronological kind of format from most recent to least recent, it can get that look of that advancement, that evolution that you want to show on your resume. And if you've been at a place for a really long time, you can also avoid age-ism on your resume by doing that, right? Go back to the positions that were in the 90s and summarize but leave off the dates of the positions that were in the 80s or 70s. So our third deadly sin here is hopping, kind of the opposite. This is becoming less of an issue, but with some hiring managers, they will still see short stints at positions to be undesirable, to show that you you can't hold a job, whatever it is that might be in their head. If you find that that's getting in your way, you might try a few other things here. Now, these are on the creative side, but one of the tools that I learned early on in my resume writing career that I always love because of the name here is the smoosh and slash so if you were a teller at three different banks 
You put teller, you smoosh those three banks together and slash them, right? So teller, Bank of America, slash Wells Fargo, slash Bank of the West, and then you group the years. So if you were at those three banks from 2005 to 2012, you may have been at each bank for three years, you smoosh and you slash. A lot of that will have to do with the position that you're targeting now and how relevant those positions are, your accomplishments in those positions. All of those pieces will have to work together. But a lot of times in those types of positions, you can get away with it because the job is fairly similar at the different companies that you've worked at. And those positions tend to hop, right? Tellers, even some of your healthcare therapist kinds of roles, you can get away with that kind of smooshing. The other piece of that hopping that you might look at is do you need to include every single job? If a job was less than six months and you didn't really accomplish there that much there, if it's on your resume, you can get away with leaving it off, right? A resume is not meant to be an application where every single detail is included and you're attesting to it by signing something, right? The resume is expected to be a little bit more of a marketing document. You might title that relevant experience, and get away with leaving a few things off that were, oops, little hops, little oopses along your career path. So that might work for you. The smooshing might work for you just to think about how can you package your experience in a way that is still legitimate and truthful and easier for them to get through and validate, right? How can you make yourself look the way that they might be expecting you to look without overdoing it. And both of those, both of those strategies can work and obviously you can take them too far. So be careful there. So we've talked a little bit about gaps. We've talked about how to address if you've stayed at a company for a long time. And now we've talked about how to handle some of those hoppings. And I'm just going to kind of throw this out there, that a chronological resume is your best option. However, for some of these things, especially the hopping and even the staying forever, there might be a chronological format that looks a little bit different, right? You might decide that you're going to put a title like teller and then put the banks underneath it where they're less obvious that you've had those gaps and up by teller you can put the full date range and it it looks solid right it looks like wow this person's been a teller for for seven years and then as they get down into the document more they see those companies you might decide that you're going to build a a resume where it's the relevant experience but it includes some volunteer pieces that is the fun for those of us who write professional resumes, right, is that your resume is a strategic marketing document. It is not some templated, has-to-be-this-way kind of thing. There are some best practices. Doing a chronological resume is one of them. However, you have flexibility, 
you have options, and if you're being strategic about how to communicate what the employer is looking for based on where you've been and in a credible way of doing that, you do have some flexibility there. So some of these ideas, maybe pushing the envelope, maybe, you know, have you thinking, well, geez, I don't know. I would, you know, just expand the way that you're thinking about your resume as a marketing document doesn't have to be a certain way. And what things can you do to market yourself while still being credible and fitting some way into what they're expecting when they get a resume. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. We're going to talk about dealing with if you've taken kind of a step back in your career. We're going to talk about changing careers and and we will keep talking about things that you can do with your resume to address some of these issues in your career. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking about dealing with the seven deadly sins of your career on your resume. So thinking about those things that we think, oh, maybe don't look so great on the document and how can we address those, right? How can we get around that? How can we not look the way that we're afraid that we're looking? And so we've talked about gaps and, and dealing with some of those, talked about 
how we can handle if we've stayed at a really long time and there may be a perception that we haven't grown or evolved because we've been at the same company for a long time. And then we talked about the opposite, right? How can we talk to our experience if we've hopped a little bit and had some short stints at different organizations? And all of these strategies, right, are are really just challenging our conventional idea of the resume and that it is what human resource people are looking for is where have you been and what have you done and how is it relevant and how have you added value. And so when we look at our resume, if we can position ourselves to show them those answers in a credible, easy-to-find way, that's all this is about. And it's really about marketing more than it is about a perfect historical record of where we've been, right? That's what the application is for. There are some exceptions here, of course, if you're working with federal contractors or federal resumes. But for most of the business world, the information on your resume needs to be accurate and verifiable it doesn't need to be 100% everything, right? You had a job for six months and it wasn't that relevant. It may need to go on the application depending on what they say on their application. It probably doesn't need to go on the resume. So give yourself some wiggle room there. Talk to the HR people in your industry and figure out what's going to work for you. Now, sometimes people come in and they say, you know, I was a VP and then the the company took a different direction and I got demoted, right? I got demoted to being a director or the company split. And so my new title was a director, even though I was really still doing the VP stuff. This strategy here is very similar in some ways to the hopping. If you can get away with listing those two titles together and the years combined for those two titles, instead of breaking it out, you can show that progression from where you were before those last two positions, right, to that new role without necessarily hiding that you've had multiple titles in the last few years, but without highlighting the fact that You went up and then down again. Other thing to realize here is that that happens to a lot of people and that titles don't necessarily mean anything, right? A VP at HP is at the same level as a CEO in any other smaller company. So we can get a little bit too hung up on the titles, both as job seekers and as HR managers, And so think about your title and how you might communicate that in a way that makes sense, right? If you're the CEO of a small company and now you're applying to a bigger company, is there a different title that you could use there that would make more sense to them? And maybe it's a a title that works for that business you're leaving as well as the business you want to go to, whether that's president, general manager, whatever might be a better fit and translate better to the organization that you're going to, you might think about that title difference. 
And you can use the almighty slash, right, president slash CEO, general manager slash CEO, so that you can include your formal title as well as the title that you might think makes more sense to the business who's looking at your resume. Titles, again, we get too caught up on that. And if there's any way that you can be more relevant to where you're going and still be accurate, I would think about that. What might you be able to do? So then there's this idea of I'm going to change careers, right? So I'm not just moving back. I'm not just trying to take a step up, which is what we're going to talk about next. But I'm trying to completely change careers. First, please assess whether it's actually a, a change of careers. Worked with a lady who is moving from admin assistant type of work to accounting or vice versa and she was just convinced that she had to do a functional skills-based resume because she was making such a career change. I beg to differ. The skill sets used in those two worlds, really no matter which direction she was moving, are fairly similar and the experience that you've built in administrative assistant work is building blocks for moving into accounting. So when you take and you put it in a functional resume, what you do in some ways is wipe out the, the importance and the visibility of that experience. A chronological resume is much better at showing experience, progression, and, and giving that credibility credibility and visibility. And so think about how much of a career change you're making before we make any rash decisions here. The next thing is if you're going back to school to really make a career change, right? You're going to go from sales to gerontology. Just had someone send me that. You may want to lead with your education because, hey, I went back to school now. Now I'm a gerontology specialist, but none of my work experience is really that relevant. I don't want you to take your experience off because it shows all of the things that employers are looking for in terms of keeping a job, working a job, being successful at a job. So don't take it off. You might just lead with your experience or your education. However, your education can still look like work. Right. Show me the projects that you did. Show me the practicums that you did. Most educational experiences today have some sort of projects built in that you can use to show me your experience with those new skills, even if it was in the school environment. So that's a great strategy if you're if you've gone back to school to make a change. You've still got your summary. Don't don't lose your summary. And then you've got your education, project-based, shows how you've used the new skills in a way. And then you've got your experience after that. Now, if you're making a career change, let's say from sales and marketing to nonprofit, a chronological resume will still work. You're just talking language. You're just talking P&L versus fundraising language, right? 
sales and sales growth versus donors and building a whatever it might be in that environment, whether it's they're building an endowment or your talking language. And so your challenge there is figuring out how to communicate what you've done in their language without watering it down too much because those successes that you've had are still going to be important in where you're going. And that piece of it, you don't want to lose. Now, the hardest thing with career change for most people is that they don't really know where they're going. And it is nearly impossible to write a resume when you don't know where you're going. It's like trying to market a product that hasn't been defined yet to a market that hasn't been defined yet, right? So we've done a lot of work on this show on career focus, so I won't get into that too much. And if you're making a career change, you got to start there. Starting with the resume is just going to make you lose all of your hair or turn all of it gray early, depending on where you're at in life. Focus first, then resume. Because when you've done that, you can say, okay, I'm making a change from this to that. These are the skills that are important to where I'm going. So those are the skills I'm going to highlight in my resume and the accomplishments that demonstrate those skills. So that you're showing that you've done what you're looking to do. You're looking at how you can communicate in their language. And you're making that translation. It's an active process, and it's your responsibility as the job seeker, career changer, to make that translation. I don't like to talk about transferable skills because that makes them sound very like someone else transfers them magically. And that doesn't happen. It's translation that you do based on knowing where you're going so that those skills get transferred actively, active process. And you are the agent that makes that happen. You've got to tell me what you've done that's relevant to what I want you to do. I'm not going to figure that out for you if I'm the hiring manager. Now, some of you might be taking a step back. So worked with a gentleman a while ago who'd been at HP as a software engineer for 30 years. Now he just wanted to be a tech support at a local IT consulting company. And he was sending in a three-page resume and didn't understand why they weren't calling him back, right? Look at all this experience that I have. Well, you are overshooting the runway, right? It's not going to work to market yourself for where you've been. You've got to market yourself for where you're going. So if you're going to work at Barnes & Noble and you've got a 30-year career in teaching, you got to sh- shorten it down, tighten it up, and make it look like a Barnes & Noble resume, right? Give them some retail experience if you've got it. It's got to be relevant. It can't just be, hey, look at all this great stuff I've done. It has to be relevant. And even those jobs that you might think you're stepping back to, whether that's a, you know, a retail person at Barnes & Noble or IT desk, it's not stepping back for them. They're looking for the best person to do that job. They're looking for specific skills. And if you don't show them you have those specific skills, you're not going to compete despite all of your experience. They're looking for specific experience that's relevant to that job. So if you've got it, show it. 
and you can show some of the other stuff to show your overall work ability, right? Work history. But you want to right size that package to fit where you're headed. Otherwise, you're going to hear overqualified, all of those things that, that some of us get tired of hearing. So when we come back, we're going to spend the last few minutes here talking about wanting to take a step up and how you might address that in your resume. And we'll spend a little bit of time here on addressing or writing a resume when you've owned your own business. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking about our seven deadly career sins and how to address those on the resume. So just to emphasize again here, these are things that oftentimes give us anxiety about how we're going to address it on the resume. But a lot of times they're not as big of a deal to an HR person if we just do it, right? If we just address it, it's it's not a huge deal. Gaps, if we've been in a place for a long time, if we've hopped around, we just have to think about what their impression might be or their fear might be and figure out a way to address it, to speak to it in that resume to fill that gap or to split it up and show that we have moved and evolved and learned even though we've been at the same place for a long time or that, hey, we've got these skill sets that we've been using even though maybe we've had to hop around a little bit. And then we've talked about moving backwards and and some of the strategies for that and changing careers. 
that the strategies for that and to be careful there not to throw the baby out with the bath water for, for lack of another cliche and that we've really got to use the skills and experience that we have and just show how those are relevant in the world that we want to go to and first we have to know what that world is and what's relevant to them right so then let's talk about wanting to take a step up a lot of times we've been in a a role for a little while we've been in a type of work for a little while and we feel like we've earned that next level our challenge here is a few different things one is that we have to show that we've got the experience to deserve it And so a lot of times I'll work with people in this place where we're trying to show our experience and that might mean being a little more wordy, it might mean giving a little bit more detail, and sometimes it might mean taking your document from one page to two. So you're somewhere in that realm of five to seven years of experience and you're right on that bridge of do I need one page or two? Well, if you're trying to take that step up, two pages might be really important because all of the other applicants for that type of position might have two pages. And one page isn't going to be like, oh, great, look at how much information this person can get on one page. It's going to be, oh, oops, we've got this information and it just doesn't look like he's he or she is qualified, right? The other thing is watch where your education is on your document I was working with an engineer, and the first paragraph of his cover letter said, I've earned my bachelor's degree in engineering from blah, blah, blah. Not in line with a manager-level application, right? Managers will not be promoting the fact that they've got a bachelor's degree or even a master's degree in in engineering. Managers will be promoting the fact that they've got experience. Third thing there, when we're trying to take that step up, is language and that the language that we use is going to be critical in demonstrating that we can do that type of work so a lot of times I work with developers who've been team leads and now they want to be that project manager well in that resume we've got to speak to all of the management pieces that we can all of the times they've been the team lead what that team lead has meant what their role was as the team lead, how many people were on the team that they were leading, so that the document becomes demonstrative of, hey, I've been a lead, right? Instead of, hey, I've been a programmer. That language piece, that shift in who you are has to happen on the document before it happens in reality, but without pushing too far, right, without being untruthful, it's all about language and demonstrating how you've used the skills that that you're going to need at the next step, how you've already done that. Even if it may be in a little bit different scope, I want to see those skills. So then we get to this piece of individuals who have owned their own business and are looking for a J-O-B, right? Looking for someone to employ them. It's a tough transition. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. I've worked with a lot of people making that transition. On the resume, 
you just want to demonstrate your ability to be part of an organization. Because as a business owner, you're still part of an organization. And so some silly little things is we don't want to have owner on our resume, right? Because you're not applying to be the owner of the next job. And in fact, if you can find a job title that is somewhat relevant to where you want to go, even the more better, right? General manager, manager. Sometimes president could work if you're at looking at that level in, an, in the new organization you want to work for. But then within the body of that document, I want to see the relevant skill sets in the correct language. So if you're going from being a business owner of a business that installs laundry equipment, and now you're going to be a project manager within an organization, then I want to see projects that you've managed within your resume, within your business. So I'm not necessarily as worried about the sales that you've made or the business that you've grown, although that might be in there. I want to know how you've managed projects if that's what you're looking to do for me. That transition can mean not playing up some things that we as business owners are proud of. Growing the business, selling the business, whatever those things might be, they might not be relevant to the types of positions you're applying for. And so we have to think about what we highlight and the language that we use and how it fits in with the new business because that's what this resume is really about. It's about how I will fit in with the new business, how my experience will add value to the new business. And if I'm just telling the story of where I've been instead of telling the story of how where I've been will add value to where I'm going, there's going to be a disconnect. And I'm going to hear that I'm overqualified or I'm going to not hear at all, right? And that piece of our our world is hard to let go of. It's hard to let go of some of the accomplishments that we've had that may not be relevant. And the nice part is we don't have to let go of them. We just have to highlight the relevant things first. The other part of the story is important. And it's an important part of the skill set that we bring. It's more about the language that we use and the order in which we place the pieces and the emphasis than leaving those pieces out. And so when we go to write our resume, kind of our thesis for tonight, right, is that it's about where you're going, not necessarily where you've been. It's about how where you've been demonstrates that you can do the skills and add value to where you're going. And that's got to be our mindset. And it's different than just give me a list of everything you've done. Even if you're giving me a list of accomplishments, it's got a different feel, a different flavor when you're really thinking about where you're going and what's important to them and how you can show, prove, if you will, that you'll add value by showing that you've added value in similar ways in the past. And that piece of our resume 
is what challenges most of the people that I work with. If all it was was write down things that you've done, even accomplishments, lots of people can do that. But when we really start thinking about how can you market yourself, how can you position yourself as the answer to the employer's problem, as the solution, as a solution provider for them, that's when our challenge gets there. And so as you're looking at all of these different issues that you might need to address in your resume, I encourage you to think about getting help. Now, I'm not talking necessarily just from a professional like me, although we're here and available and would love to help you. But look at your colleagues. Look and not their resumes. Get help from your colleagues. Get help from your friends and family to ask you good questions, to help you look at your experience in a different way. Because trying to write your own resume, to me, is a lot like the engineer who developed a product, writing the marketing for that product, which you would never do, right? You have a marketing person do that. And there's a reason. So you've got local resources. You've got a local workforce center if that's going to fit your needs. And, of course, you're always welcome to send your resume to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com. I'll give you feedback, give you suggestions, and be here to help you if that's something that will be work for you. So I look forward to seeing you right back here next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. 